Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. for another film study today joined by kevin ostreicher who is of raven's wire and the locked on ravens podcast you probably heard him on one of those two i would i would guess or seen him there uh kevin how you doing today i'm doing well ken thank you for having me on the show and we have a great position to review today yeah it's exciting so we're going to talk about the, the ravens safeties from 2019 also talk about what the ravens are starting with for 2020 and it's a very interesting group in terms of how they're going to align uh next year and I guess we'll just jump right into it. Actually, let's make sure that folks have your Twitter handle, Kevin. Yeah, my Twitter handle, you can find me. The Locked On Ravens Twitter is at Locked On Ravens, but my personal account is at K Ostriker, spelled O E S T R E I C H E R 34. All right. Uh, well, Kevin, let's uh, let's jump right in and, and talk about the safety, starting with uh, Earl Thomas. Now, Earl Thomas came from Seattle, uh, played almost entirely single high during his time there. Uh, they even with, in the Cam Chancellor days, which is you know obviously his known uh, padre there, compadre there for a long time. Uh, they usually played single high. The heat maps all show the opposing quarterbacks trying to keep the ball away from Earl Thomas. I think we saw some of that this year, but what we saw even more of was Earl Thomas being used on the blitz. Yeah, and that was one of the key points that John Harbaugh and Don Martindale made with Earl Thomas is making sure he was coming up, blitzing off of the edge, and he was actually pretty effective while doing it. And while Earl Thomas, you know, didn't light up the stat sheet this year, I think you completely mentioned it right there, Ken. 
teams do not want to throw at Earl Thomas. He was only targeted, I believe it was 25 times throughout the entire season. And that's something where you have to look at the whole scope of the game and say, was Earl Thomas impacting the game? Yes, but was he doing it on the box score? No, but that's not the important part. Earl Thomas on the season, we look at week one against Miami. He has the interception against Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we might all think, oh, all right, this is going to be 10 interceptions for Earl Thomas on the season or eight interceptions for Earl Thomas on the season. And I think the expectations for Earl Thomas coming into the year was that's what he was going to be, the ball hawking safety coming up over the top and eliminating the big plays. And to an extent, he was that. He did eliminate the big plays and just the way that Teams didn't want to throw at him. And while he has gotten a little bit of flack throughout circles at points, just because he didn't have that many tackles, he didn't have that many interceptions. Earl Thomas went so far beyond the box score this season. It was still almost a bargain for Baltimore. Yeah, I thought he I thought he definitely came through on the contract for his first year. Now, of course, you you better get that on a four year, fifty five million dollar deal for a guy his age. You better get it in the first year because you're, you're less likely to get it each successive year. But uh, in any case, right. uh, Thomas, uh, a good good year rush in the passer. I thought the Ravens, the strength they had at cornerback, particularly after the return of Jimmy Smith in the second half, gave them the uh, impetus to rush Thomas a lot more in the second half of the season. I'm looking at the numbers by game, and it's certainly that's the way it worked out. Uh, and And because they wanted to trust their cornerbacks and they wanted to create pressure in the only way this team could, by blitzing and doing schematic pressure as opposed to just winning one-on-one matchups at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and that was a big part of Baltimore's game this year was, of course, the four-man sets, the four-man rush. Even sometimes five, they just weren't getting home. Brandon Williams and Michael Mm -hmm. Pierce aren't built to exactly rush the passer. Matthew Judon was carrying the pass rush, and although there were flashes from Tyus Bowser and even guys like Jalen Ferguson, the Ravens found their success while blitzing and Earl Thomas coming off of the edge and making sure that they got pressure and made the quarterbacks throw into tight windows because you're right, when you have a secondary with Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey in the slot even, it's hard for receivers to get open, and that's where the covered sacks come into play. And Earl Thomas coming off the edge really didn't give quarterbacks a lot of time to process that. So something where we didn't see it a lot in Seattle, where you're right, Earl Thomas played a ton of single high. Coming up, it was a new thing for him, and I think the marriage worked out pretty well for Baltimore. Yep, definitely happy with it on this end. So uh, a lot of people think uh, I talk about the pass rush, too, and we're talking about the safeties here, but I think this is an important point to make with the secondary anyway. A lot of people think of the quote-unquote blitz as being rushing five or more. To me, that very commonly used definition is very misleading. The Ravens are all about deceptive pass rushing, mm-hmm. which means you may rush only four, but you're you're rushing, you're rushing, you're sorry, you're blitzing two from off the line of scrimmage and dropping two from the line of scrimmage, right. which gives you a better chance for that quick pressure. And believe me, there are four man rushes and four man rushes in terms of getting to the quarterback uh, that are very different. But the, the Ravens were very much not a vanilla four zero pass rush team that just brought the four they showed you. Yeah, and we even saw with. Matt Judon dropping back into coverage, that was a big part of his game. So you're right, exactly. Don Martindale loves his exotic blitzes, bringing safeties up to the line, even bringing corners off the blitzes we saw with Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr on occasion. So Don Martindale, very creative with what he does at the line. Yeah, at at, uh, Los Angeles, they had the first ever double corner blitz I've ever seen, double outside (laughs) corner. But it was a a play action drop by Goff. Jimmy Smith got the sack, but uh, Smith... Smith and Humphrey. I think Humphrey was in the slot, so it had to be Smith yeah. and Peters. 
both both came from the outside and uh, and dropped the quarterback. Never seen it before. And and you know the typical a typical outside corner blitzes about once per season, and and you know so, so it's very unusual to start with. But then to blitz on both sides, that's just outrageous. And uh, yeah. <laughs> We've it's we've seen play. with with Brandon Carr and especially with his usage, which we'll get into. He was coming and playing all different types of positions for the Ravens, but we've seen him come on those quote unquote corner blitzes. And with his transition into that safety role, it was fun to see him just move all around the field, come up the line, even blitz up the middle on occasion. Well, let's talk about Brandon Carr. He moved to safety, obviously, with the return of Jimmy Smith. So it had a lot of a lot of uh, amoeba-like shifting of the safety position as the as the season went on. Tony Jefferson obviously started as the strong safety. I, I think results were mixed this year. A lot of people are really down on Jefferson. I'm not as down. I thought he was the obvious choice to get the green dot at the beginning of the season because I didn't trust uh, uh, Owasso to be the Mike linebacker and mm-hmm. have to play three downs. But anyway, he, he didn't get it until midseason when the team had decided basically they couldn't go with set inside linebackers on all three downs. So they they changed Owasso's role. They brought in Bynes. They brought in Ford each to play their specialized role. And they said, OK, well, now we need a guy who's on the field every play. And there's only two of them. There's Thomas, who's, who's a, mostly a deep safety for us. And there's Jefferson, who's the strong safety. And it makes more sense to give the give the dot to Jefferson. And just to continue this a little bit. And then, of course, Jefferson was injured a game or two later. And then the uh, Chuck Clark got the dot. And starting with that uh, New England game was simply outstanding in that role. And I want to I want to talk about that New England game just for a second, because it's the it was the biggest in terms of 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 what happened. He he was in there against the no huddle. OK, and he the Ravens are basically playing dime most of that game in the dime. Clark played closer to the line of scrimmage. And under under those circumstances, his responsibility to get the blitz call in is very, you know, it's, it has to be done very quickly against a very fast New England no huddle. And he did a marvelous job that game. The New England no huddle, no matter what anybody tells you about some small statistical measure that they had some number of success on plays, that they, they completely failed in that game in terms of what they were trying to do with the no huddle. And, and Chuck Clark was really the reason. And to your point, I mean, just the poise that Chuck Clark had throughout the entire season. A guy who had played in games for Baltimore, primarily on special teams throughout his first two years. He's played in 15 and 2017 and then 16 and 2018. And when Jefferson actually went down with an injury last season, if everybody remembers, Chuck Clark came in, had an interception against the Kansas City Chiefs. So just the poise for a guy to come in, step up, he had a little bit of starting experience, but to actually have the communication be put into his hands. And a, a fun quote, a popular quote that I love to go back and look up, look back on is when Earl Thomas first came in, he said that he didn't know why he was in Baltimore because he looked at Chuck Clark. He had conversations with Chuck Clark and said, well, this guy's one of the smartest guys I've ever been in a safety room with. And that showed throughout the entire season, Chuck Clark coming in and only in his third season out of Virginia Tech was kind of looking at, you know, not a bunch of playing time. Him and Deshaun Elliott were kind of the, okay, which one is it going to be? But Chuck Clark, after Deshaun Elliott, of course, had an unfortunate injury against Cincinnati. The game plan for the Ravens originally, when Tony Jefferson went down, was it was going to be Deshaun Elliott playing strong side a lot, kind of back there in the backfield, and Chuck Clark playing that dime linebacker role. Clark ended up getting injured or Jefferson ended up getting injured and then Elliot ended up getting injured and the whole thing just had to shift. Brandon Carr took over the dime linebacker role and the Ravens really went through all of that really flawlessly. Well, the, the uh, 
the Ravens played the, they've played a fair amount of dime and they played a fair amount of nickel obviously this year too but when they were in the dime it was Clark actually who was in the dime linebacker role standing next to that other linebacker with Carr on the back end which is an interesting shift for those players to be done but the reason they were so successful for instance in that New England game was that Clark was close to the line of scrimmage and able to relay those calls very quickly. But I think it is a question as to whether or not they keep Clark in that dime roll next year, because if they do, then there's some additional injury risk, I think, that goes with it on those snaps. And I think that they would prefer to not have that. I think they're going to build this defense around Clark. They're going to probably re-sign him this offseason, extend him to a a, – you know, fairly significant deal, I would think. Obviously, they like him as the signal caller. So it, it would make sense if you didn't have a lot of injury risk with that guy. Now, the unfortunate matching with that is it doesn't work that well when the other guy who you're going to have playing the dime role, Deshaun Elliott, is kind of injury prone his first yeah. two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Elliott's a guy, absolutely, I was enamored with him coming out of Texas, but only six games in two years for the Ravens, someone who you have to kind of throw that injury risk label on. And when you look at how the Ravens have shuffled their safeties, and there's a lot of speculation, will Jefferson be cut? And I do agree with you, Ken. I think the smart thing for Baltimore would be to lock Chuck Clark up now. We've seen it with guys like Patrick Ricard, with Tavon Young, guys coming off of big seasons, even, even LJ Fort getting him signed to a reasonable contract and saying, look, we believe in what you can do. We've seen your potential. You know, here's a ton of money. And, Uh, Just the culture that Baltimore has, that I believe in you culture with the front office, the coaches, the players, that's a culture that can be built around and also some of the success where it comes. If Chuck Clark didn't feel believed in by this coaching staff and if he wasn't thrust into that role, if he wasn't given that green dot, it's safe to say, well, what would Chuck Clark's season have been if he had to step into that role and they decided to give the green dot to Brandon Carr or to Earl Thomas? So Clark getting the green dot, I think, not only was a big development for the Ravens' defense throughout the entire season, but something that's a big development throughout the remainder of Chuck Clark's entire career, kind of giving him that push to be better. Oh, he's, he's definitely at the heart of this defense now. Um, you know, I, I like it for the fact that, that you want a culture of, of keeping your own players, and the Ravens are fortunate they've drafted so well, they get to choose the cornerstone players they keep. Yes. A lot of teams, you know, you know, we, we, we concern ourselves with losing great players, letting great players walk. People get upset about it on Twitter and they, you know, they scream about it. And I'm saying, this is the good situation. A lot of other teams, they don't have enough good players. <laughs> they have to go to the free agent market to plug their holes. And it's a it's a misery. And on a smaller basis, the Ravens have had exactly that at wide receiver, where right. they haven't been able to draft the right guys. They have to continually waste money on the free agent treadmill of wide receivers. Anyway, let's let's stay away from that. Uh I, Chuck Clark is a guy that's divisible benefit on the table. That's the that's the type of deal I like. They did it with Patrick Ricard. They were going to have to pay him about three million next year to make sure they kept him three million and change under an RFA tag. And they decided, okay, we'll pay you eight million for two years, and we'll give you all that security. In the case of of who was the other third year player we had discussed here, just that that was resigned to an extra deal. It's not Fort, but the other guy, Tavon Young. Yeah, Tavon Young. So they gave him you know twenty five million for three years. Obviously, great nickel. But uh, but he's there now. Carr is a guy, or Clark is a guy, where he's going to make two million dollars. I think it is next year because he gets a pay bump mm. on his fourth year deal based on his quality of play. Otherwise, he'd be six round draft pick money if he was still in his fourth right. year. But then they, they they can tack on three years to that. And right now, you can value those years if he if he waited and he plays great again. He plays the same way he did this year. Maybe he makes ten million dollars each of those three years. Yep. And so maybe you should wait and sign for thirty million and just take two million this year. 
But the Ravens could probably get four for 25, four for 27 right now. Both sides are happy. Uh, Clark takes less risk. And, you know, watching what happened to Patrick Owasso play through that fourth year and it not working out, watching what happened a couple of years ago to Brent Urban play through, through that fourth year and, and get hurt. Uh, you know, I think it's, there's, there's a lot of reason why you would like to take that risk off the table and divide the benefit with the team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you, you mentioned the wide receiver thing with the Ravens and the Ravens don't have to deal with that, especially at this safety position. And, you know, there have been speculation and rumors. It's all been flying about the potential of maybe a Jamal Adams coming to Baltimore or the Ravens selecting a Grant Delpit at 28. But with the depth the Ravens have, if you want to take that risk with a Chuck Clark and say this is a guy who has performed and we've seen it before our eyes, we've seen him in our system you don't have to worry about a system fit. You don't have to worry about an overpay. You don't have to worry about even a culture fit because you have the guy that you need right in front of you for a great price, high production. And the Ravens have done that as, as we've talked about with Carr and even guys like Tavon Young, Patrick Ricard, LJ Fort. They've done such a good job at locking up their own guys, as you mentioned, Ken, to the right price at the right time and just the right deal in general. All right, let's go back for a moment and talk about Brandon Carr because I think I steamrolled the point you were starting to make about him, and he'd moved around a little bit in terms of, of where he'd been. But I thought Brandon Carr, you know, first of all, been very versatile for the Ravens since he got here. Great acquisition. The price was priced completely right, and each of those options paid off, which I, you never see in a multi-year deal like that with a with a player like this. And it would even be a question. I don't think they're going to end up deciding they can go another year on car at the current price, but it could be a salary reduction situation where instead of seven, he makes four and a half or five. And that seems reasonable to both sides, but you know, he's a very versatile player, a guy who can play uh, obviously safety or corner and a guy who did pretty well moving to the dime. Oh, sorry, not the dime, the uh, strong safety role uh, when he needed to on passing downs this last year. So I, I'm happy with the versatility. Obviously he's played slot and outside for the Ravens. Uh, so he's, he's played, at least four different positions, I believe, since he's since he's been here. Yeah, and for Brandon Carr, even just looking back into the preseason and once Tavon Young went down, the Ravens were really scrambling to find someone who could play in that slot cornerback position, and they were rotating through guys like Cyrus Jones and Anthony Averett and Brandon Carr. And Brandon Carr is just a jack-of-all-trades guy for, for the Ravens. And at his price, I mean, you're right. What what a bargain he was. And I think at the current price, you're definitely right. I don't think it's going to be a situation where the Ravens bring him back at that. But when he signed this deal with the Ravens in 2017, I hadn't seen a deal like this in a while. It was He signed mm-hmm. for $2 million base salary in 2017 and then years the 2018, 2019, and 2020. All team options. So the Ravens have exercised the team option over the past two years. But I don't believe this will be the offseason where it becomes the third straight year. I think with the Ravens, they have the depth at secondary. It was just absolutely hindered by injuries. And we've talked about Tony Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott. And Deshaun Elliott's a guy who, again, I'm really high on. But you have to put the injury label on him because he has, again, only played six games. With Brandon Carr, you have stability. You have a guy who was healthy. The consecutive start streak, it's there and it's real. So you have a guy who you can rely on. So I don't think Baltimore wants to let that leave. But again, I don't think they want to keep it at the current price. Yeah, he's he's an odd case because he really has elevated his play from his years in Dallas in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. It's really re- remarkable that a player would come along. 
you know, late in his career. And I guess he might have been signed. He was about 29 when he was signed by the Ravens, maybe 30. And, you know, a series of four, four year options. He's, he came and he said, it's one it's a one year deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's exactly what he was saying coming out of that contract. I'll try and play one more year kind of thing. Well, he's, he's tried to play one more year now three three times. And it's, it's really worked out for the for the Ravens. It's been a great uh, series of contracts. From this rarely been an Aussie signing that's been as good. He had a great run early through about 2006, a fantastic free agent sign. But there haven't been too many great ones recently uh, that, that could match with uh, Brandon Carr. Yeah. It's it's quality for the Ravens over over the quantity, and especially when you talk about the deal. And you even look back to free agency last year. There were a lot of Ravens fans and Ravens, you know, analysts who were kind of like, "All right, well, what what are the Ravens doing here? Everybody's going off the board, going off the board." It took the Ravens a few days to actually come to terms with Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas, and with Brandon Carr, it's the same situation where they get the quality players that they need. They wait out the market. They look at salary cap casualties and all they they evaluate all of their options brandon carr was a smart signing on their end you can even take a look at marcus peters's contract that they signed him to during the season a very front-loaded contract get all that money out of the way i think i believe is 20 million dollars this season or this upcoming season so the ravens have more money to work with as their window continues the ravens are very smart with their finances and very smart with the types of players they bring into their locker room and into their systems making sure they're not only great system fits, but great fits in that locker room as well. Okay, we've got one player that his role was reduced this year, and it almost seems unfair after the amazing year he had last year, but Anthony Levine lost his traditional dime role. He effectively lost that to Carr. He was in that dime role to start the season. Uh, and when, sorry, when Jimmy Smith came back, Brandon Carr moved to safety, you had Clark moving up to play the dime in the dime packages, and that meant that Levine was out. And he had had, in 2018, I think, the greatest single season by any Ravens dime back. And by the way, for folks who know this, for folks who read my writing, they're already aware, he's had an amazing, that Ravens have had an amazing run of great dime backs in their history. You know, it, it stretches back to Corey Harris, even before that with Ralph mm-hmm. Staten. Uh, you know, to Chad Williams, uh, Ruki Nakamura, uh, and Levine are, are probably the best of the group. But Levine's 2018 was stood above all of them in terms of uh, just being a remarkable season out of the dime. He won the Pittsburgh game for them pretty much uh, single-handedly by having three drive-ending passes defensed in the fourth yeah. quarter. Uh, just a remarkable year. Seems almost unfair that he would lose his his uh, his spot there. He did retain some play in the quarter, and the Ravens. Uh, this year played a little more quarter than they had in almost any previous year. They played more in 2000, but they had 37 snaps a quarter in 2019. Uh, and those involved Levine, of course, as the as the second uh, safety in the middle of the field where the linebackers would normally be. Yeah, for the Ravens, this was just, I'll use a draft analogy here. This was the best player available and the best player available for the role with Brandon Carr, Chuck Clark, Anthony Levine. Anthony Levine was the one who was the odd man out. And Levine has been known, as you mentioned, Ken, one of the best dime backers in Ravens history. But he's also one of the great special teamers in Ravens history as well. And I think that, you know, he has been an integral part of just how good the special teams unit has been under John Harbaugh. And, you know, you mentioned his nickname is Co-Cap because Albert McClellan, of course, is, is the cap. But you have to understand with Levine that with this depth that the Ravens have, and you mentioned they played quarter, that's where he was kind of 
you know, assigned in this system and a guy who had a great 2018, a down 2019 with Chuck Clark. It was the, it was the opposite. He wasn't really getting playing time in 2018 and in 2019 he ascended and you have to roll out with the guys who, and you Brandon Carr as well. You have to roll out with the guys who give you the best opportunity to win. And that's not to say Anthony Levine is a bad player. He's of course not. That's not to say Anthony Levine couldn't have done the things that Brandon Carr did or that Chuck Clark was doing. It was just a matter of the Ravens trusting a guy in Brandon Carr who had not only been in the system for a while, like Levine, but his play, as you mentioned, had elevated ever since coming over from Dallas to Baltimore with Chuck Clark. It was a guy who had the green dot. So he had to be on the field. Levine lost his spot, not because of the quality of player he is, but I believe it was more just the personnel that the Ravens were employing. Yeah. The, the, another advantage to having Clark and Carr on the field is you've got two guys who could play deep or they can play that short middle zone. And presumably anyone can rush the passer. Presumably anyone can can go for the free runner, and that's what the Ravens are trying to get with their system. They know they can't really win a lot of one-on-one matchups, so they try and confuse the opposing line and get the free runners that create quick pressures on third and medium to try and, and, and you know mess up or disrupt pass plays of that type and get the other team off the field. Levine, the, the one thing he hasn't done in his time with the Ravens is to play a lot of deep safety. And I think he'd be, he would not be a, a good fit for that. But he has tremendous ability to read the quarterback and good ability to handle that short, uh, short zone in the middle of the field and take away throwing lanes from that quarterback in so doing. And that's, uh, that's what he did so well in 2018. I just want to bring this up also because it seems so unfair what happened to him. But uh, in the final the stand against Cleveland in 2018 ended with Mosley's interception, but on first and third down, uh, Levine had a blanket coverage on Njoko on both those plays and had a PD on those two plays. So you had, you had PD Levine, and then you had a PD by Jimmy Smith. It was really more of a, the, the pass was behind the receiver on the left sideline, but Jimmy Smith did get a hand on it and knocked it away. And then you had another PD by Levine where he brought a club of a right hand through on Njoko to, to knock the ball loose. And then, of course, he had Mosley's interception. Had a bunch of PDs during the season. Uh, it, it was a uh, it was something to be celebrated here. I think he stays around. I wouldn't be surprised to see him more on the field uh, in uh, in either a quarter or dime role. You know, obviously don't know in terms of injuries who's going to be still around, but I think it's very possible we see Anthony Levine return on defense. And I'd be a little bit surprised if the Ravens didn't try and sign him now. Yeah, I agree. And I think you look at Levine's contract that he signed in 2017 with the team, three years, $4.2 million. That's that's a bargain for a guy who you know you can deploy in that dime linebacker role. He can do a ton and he's a core special team or someone who's been at the heart of special teams for the Ravens for years so I agree with you you can get him on a cheap contract you can bring him back you know he loves the city he's been here for a while now knows the system it's a win-win for Baltimore and Levine yeah it's it would seem to make a lot of sense and I, I think a similar value on the deal whether it's you know million two million six whatever it might be in that range uh, would be the reasonable kind of a kind of a value for him, given where he is right now in terms of his playing time. Now he will be 33 years old in in 2020, so it's not like he's a, still a spring chicken. But I think he still brings enough on special teams that that you probably try and sign him. The Ravens have typically signed such players to two year deals, mm-hmm. and honestly, there's nothing that Levine needs to do in terms of a prove it. Um, 
from a prove it standpoint to 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 play in 2020 to prove he can play for some other team. Whatever he is, other teams know what he is too. And I think he is a player that's more valuable to the Ravens than he would be to other teams. Yeah, 100% agree. And I'll bring up special teams one more time. A safety we haven't really talked about just because he didn't really do a ton for Baltimore. Jordan Richards, you know, you look at Jordan Richards and, and Chris Moore and the Ravens lost Justin Bethel. McClellan hasn't been around for a while. The special teams unit struggled at times, whether it be on kickoff coverage, punt coverage. I'll highlight the game against the Jets. That was a game where it just seemed like every play Braxton Berrios was getting to the outside, getting to the edge, and the Ravens couldn't stop him. Levine is a key part of that special teams unit, and if they let a guy like that walk, you're not only losing his production on the defensive side of the ball, but also on special teams as well. Yeah, I, 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 they they would attempt to find that guy somewhere in the league, and maybe there is a 27-year-old guy or a 25-year-old guy. It's probably a 27-year-old guy because it's probably a guy who's done with his first contract, and it's really questionable whether he can stay in the NFL because he's not really a great uh, coverage player, and so if, if his coverage uh, coverage skills are limited, then you move into this into this dime role. You think he has some ability to read the quarterback, and you could also get a great special teams player in the deal. And the Ravens, you know, they took six safeties out of camp last year. They had Brendan Trowick on the team. You know, they had we haven't talked about him either. He's obviously a free agent, but uh, you know, might be another guy the Ravens try and resign for primarily special teams purposes. Yeah, I agree. And with the Ravens, you know, they pride themselves on on bringing in those core special teamers. I, I can take it back to guys like Brendan Iambandagio, Corey Graham, two guys who helped the Ravens in that Super Bowl run just because not. And Corey Graham played great as a corner and I oh, yeah. had times, you know, at, at linebacker. But Corey Graham and Brendan Imbendagio, when they were first signed by Baltimore, it wasn't Corey Graham, the cornerback, the shutdown guy. It was Corey Graham, the core special teamer, Brendan Imbendagio, the core special teamer. The Ravens yeah. have a guy in front of them in Levine who brings that to them and has been a part of that, been a part of that unit for so long. And I think just losing that is too valuable to them and would hurt them more than it would help. Yeah, it's it's really a, a statement when a player leaves your city after a, you know a couple of year contract. And so Corey Graham falls into this category and the Ravens signed him for for pretty much nothing in 2012. Well, it wasn't nothing. He made 4.2 million. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. I have it. he played 2012 and 2013 with the Ravens. Four point. And it was he made two point three point nine five million over those two years. But then he went to Buffalo and he signed it like a four year sixteen million dollar deal after that. And you know he's an older player at that point. You don't figure that's gonna that's likely to happen. But that's that means the Ravens identified talent coming off the rookie rookie deal that obviously the Bears missed out on. And every other team in the NFL who didn't sign him to the contract the Ravens did missed out on. And, of course, he, he won the game in the Mile High Miracle game. He was he was really the superhero in that right. game right. as much as, uh, you know, Smith or Flacco or whoever. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I love the way the Ravens are able to identify. It's not just the college ranks. They really they do a great job of pro scouting to find talent. Right. And that's where if Levine were to maybe depart in free agency, if that's the scenario that happens – then I am confident in Eric DaCosta and Isaac Newsom still has a hand in it as well, that they can go in and, as you mentioned a little earlier, go in, find a guy like a Corey Graham, a 27, 28-year-old guy who, you know, is a pretty underrated in NFL circles, but the Ravens just see that extra sparkle and say, hey, we're going to give you a shot, and he might end up turning into the next Anthony Levine. Who knows it? Yep, that's, uh, that's certainly what they're looking for. 
Kevin, been a pleasure to have you on for this. We appreciate uh, you you doing this with us. We'll, we'd love to have you again, maybe for an offensive or defensive review during the season, or perhaps for something draft related, uh, depending on your pleasure. But I'll be in touch certainly for that. And uh, uh, tell people again where they can find you, your work, and your Twitter handle. Definitely. Thank you for having me, Ken. This this was wonderful. And you you can find my work at Locked On Ravens, and also my Twitter account is at ChaosStriker34. That's my personal, and you can also find me on Ravens Wire. So go check me out there. All right, Kevin. And we'll see you next time on uh, on Film Study. I do want to do want to make the point before we go. I'm still looking for material for this offseason to work on people with. So if you have a study of your own you'd like to present in particular, I'm big on those, and I'd love to have you lead the discussion. I'll ask a few questions about, about what you've looked at, but mostly it's to expose what the, the good work you've done. Please uh, understand that would be the, the, the angle I'd be coming from. And uh, I'd love to have your, your material on air here. I will be looking around a little bit at what's written locally to talk to some people about what's going on and see if they're interested in, uh, in, in coming on to that thing. But don't, don't be shy about contacting me if you'd, if you'd like to present material on uh, a film study short. Thanks for listening again, and we'll talk to you next time. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.